Welcome to day 292 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Mm-hmm. As we continue our journey through the book of Hebrews, uh, we come to Hebrews chapter 12. We, uh, yesterday, uh, we were in Hebrews 11 where we talked about uh, those who had enduring faith, even though the clarity of the promises that they were given is not nearly as clear as uh, you know, the promises that we have received in Christ. We see them in a far more sharp relief uh, we see where God was leading. Uh, we see, you know, where many of the images that may have been shadowy to them, you know, are fulfilled in Christ. Uh, and yet they still trusted God to fulfill his promises. And they were looking for something bigger than what they would find in the moment. They were looking for something that could ultimately only be fulfilled, you know, in God and, and beyond the hopes of this world. And so we come to the end of, you know, chapter, you know, 11. You know, with this, you know, nice little, you know, these were all commended for their faith, that none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, only together with us would they be made perfect, mm-hmm. how we're all joined together in the work of Christ. Then we come to chapter 12, and we shouldn't have had a chapter break yesterday, because this is moving from those who have been faithful in very trying circumstances to the faithful one mm-hmm. who... who uh, obviously, also in very trying circumstances, was obedient to God for our on our behalf, so that we might know Him. So, before we read chapter twelve and all of its challenges, um, let's uh, let's offer this moment ourselves to the Lord. Mm-hmm. David, do you mind lifting us up? No, let's pray. And Father, we love um, the hope that's held out in this passage. Uh, may we be a people, as the author calls us to, to to fix our eyes on Christ. And so, Father, whatever our circumstances may be today, wherever we find ourselves, um, we thank you that because of Christ and his faithfulness, uh, we have a hope um, and we have a a kingdom that is unshakable. And that's not due to anything we have done, but it's all due to what Christ has done for us. And so may we marvel at him today. Um, May our hearts be renewed and restored in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You struggle against sin. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their fathers? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father's spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. 
Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sowed his inheritance right as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is, uh, you have come. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches that mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We move, uh, you know, from the completion of chapter 11 by, you know, turning our attention you know, on Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Certainly we can engage, you know, in, uh, gain encouragement, you know, for all the Old Testament heroes, but the most encouraging uh, person, you know, with enduring faith is the, is the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he moves into, uh, you, know, spirit, you know, spiritual discipline or the discipline that, you know, God mm-hmm. gives his children. And there's no truer statement. Uh, and when he says that no discipline is, is pleasant at the time, but there's also the hope that it does produce a harvest of righteousness and peace, mm-hmm. you know, for those who've been trained by it. So what are some of the things that you guys are, are loving in chapter 12 as you read through that? I mean, I've always loved the line kind of towards the start of this chapter that, speaking of Christ, um, that for the joy set before him, you know, he endured the cross. Um, and obviously seeing all the hardship that came with the cross, but mm-hmm. to know that he was done that joyfully for us, for me, for his church. Um, and, and so to consider Christ and all that he's done, and I, I love how the author is pretty real about the Christian life and what it means to be a disciple, that you will be tempted to be weary and, and to lose heart. These are real realities as part of following Christ. Um, and he doesn't just say, well, good luck with those things, but how beautifully points us back to Christ um, to, to consider him who endured such opposition no. as we feel opposition pursuing him. And, of course, he also reminds them, you know, earlier, you know, in, in, in the book of how they at one time joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because they had better and lasting possessions. Mm-hmm. 
and how every one of those in Hebrews you know, chapter 11 was looking forward to the ultimate joy of being in the presence of God and receiving the fullness of his presence. And, and so you have Jesus you know, doing the, you know, the same thing. The, the cross, obviously, uh, you know, we learn from the gospel accounts of the garden was not a, a pleasant thing to anticipate nor a pleasant thing to go for, but he endured it. And I, I like that you know, little phrase. Not only did he endure the cross, he scorned its shame. Mm-hmm. There's no uglier way to die or no more shameful way to die. And of course, it was created, you know, as a way of you know taking somebody's mm-hmm. not only their life but their dignity and reducing them to nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he shamed the shame mm-hmm. of the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and, and doing so, he also bore our shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the joy set before him was not, you know, calling many brothers and sisters, you know, to glory, but also obedience to the Father and glorifying the Father, both, you know, in life and in death. There, there's kind of a nice hint, you know, at the beginning of, you know, a, a nice hint. It's a little more than a nice hint. Uh, at the beginning here, you know, a very important thing for us to remember, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we've had so many people who've run the race so well. Let's not be, you know, the generation that flakes out on this. Mm. There have been so many people that run the race so well. Let us throw off everything that would hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles. And, and so he's talking about, you know, two different things here. Uh, when he says, let's throw off everything that hinders, that would be anything that, you know, robs our affection of God or, you know, minimizes, you know, our passion to know and, and, and to love and follow him. So th- these could be good things, mm-hmm. you know, good things that have become ultimate things. And we have a hard time being honest with ourselves about that. You know, most of us are saying, nothing in my life is more important than God. But, but there are probably many things that are vying for your affections mm-hmm. yeah. that often do get more affection than, oh, yeah. than he does, and so let's you know let let's set aside good things, and obviously let's set us obviously let's set aside the sin, you know that trips us up and so easily entangles. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's using a great you know running image. You know, nobody ever wants to run the marathon while pulling a U-Haul full of all their favorite toys. No. You just kind of set those babies aside. Would you want to you know, have things wrapped around your feet? You know, mm-hmm. that, that cause you you not to you know, uh, you know not you know uh, that would you know, lead you to stumble. Mm-hmm. So taking sin seriously, but also taking idolatry seriously is is part of the mark. You know, of following Christ and then fixing our eyes, mm-hmm. you know, on Him. Uh, who he describes as, uh, I don't like you know the word pioneer, uh, <laughs> but it is a good word. Uh, when he talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, it means he is the one who has gone before us, you know, and, and, and blazed the trail. And I guess pioneer is a pretty good English word for that. But the one who has gone before us and has shown us what it means to live a life pleasing to God, but he is also the perfecter. He is the one who enables us to live a life pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not only has he shown us, he has, by his grace, brought about this sanctifying perfection that allows us to endure in joyful faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also love, too, let us run with perseverance, a race marked out for us. I mean, we saw in chapter 11 that all of these faithful men and women had different races marked out for them, as we will have different races marked out for us. but all of us are fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the end goal, if you yeah, will. Yeah, different challenges and different times. Our challenges are not going to be the same as you know Isaiah had. They're not right. going to be the same you know as Abraham had, nor the same that Moses had, or uh, you know the same that Abel had. But mm-hmm. uh, they, 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 we have many similarities that we 
are believing God, you know, we've set our heart on the, the things that we cannot see and the things that we hope for, and that we do believe in the person of God, and nothing is more rewarding, you know, than diligently seeking Him. So our joy is not always found in the moment. Sometimes it's the joy that is set before us, but there is a lot of joy in the moment as we encounter His grace, you know, in these in these difficulties. And uh, He moves on from there, mm-hmm. you know, talking about these these various struggles, mm-hmm. you know, we have. And God is even redeeming our struggles. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so our struggles are on purpose, you know, as well. They haven't escaped the plan and the providence of God. Uh, he has arranged them in our lives so that in them we might meet him and, and be further, you know, perfected mm-hmm. in him. And he, mm-hmm. he, he compares it to the work a father would do with one of his children, where he mm-hmm. sometimes lets them, you know, face challenges in order to, you know, to, to bring them into adulthood. Uh, you know, carefully supervised challenges that help them grow up, yeah. you know, appropriately in, mm-hmm. in time. And he says, this is, you know, this is a, a work we can expect of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ought to be encouraged by it because it means we're true sons and daughters. Yeah. And we also ought to be encouraged by it, you know, because of the work that he is doing, you know, in, in and through it. Now, I kind of have, you know, kind of two defaults to the Lord's discipline. Even my first one is like, oh, he must hate me. That's why this uh-huh. is going on. <laughs> yeah. Or kind of like, Hey, I don't need it, man. I kind of have my act together. Uh, neither are true. Did you really have that impulse? That, that's my prideful yeah, 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 impulse. Yeah, but thinking back to like so when I was a child, and even <laughs> still, yes, I didn't have my act together. I no. needed the loving discipline of my parents, mm-hmm. and even spiritually now, as as God is my Father, I still do need. No, his loving our, discipline. our circumstances always expose us. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, we find ourselves in, in circumstances, you know, you, you know, even you know, in this last year in the pandemic and the different responses, you know, we've had to the realities around us, you know, the, a lot of our fears are exposed. Uh, a lot of the places we're trusting in ourselves rather than, you know, trusting God or a lot of the places where we're looking for circumstances to dictate our, you know, our, our response to this world, you know, that become exposed and then we become exposed. God is able to call us into deeper faith and to build us up. You know, in him, and I, I love the comparison. You know, every father has good intentions for his kids, mm-hmm. but their fathers are clumsy. Yeah, you know, they're they're imperfect, and they don't always know how best to respond to the needs of the kid. Our heavenly Father is everything but clumsy. He always knows exactly what we mm-hmm. need, and leads us in exactly the path that we need to go in order to experience His grace and His fullness. And that's what He is doing for us. You know, as as a loving, you know, heavenly Father, mm. and then we we haven't even we, we have twenty five yeah. seconds left, and we haven't even come into you know <laughs> this, this the yeah the mountain uh, you know <laughs> whenever you know wherever the Old Testament people encountered God, they encountered Him in holiness, and they cowered in fear. Whenever we encounter Him, we encounter Him in His redemptive love that is seen in Christ, and so we 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 encounter Him and enjoy, and uh, you know. Uh, that there is still a sense where we have a you know a fear or a reverence of mm-hmm. God, but we're also reminded you know that the perfect love we found in Christ casts out our fear, and we have a joyful uh, assembly. Uh, so mm-hmm. sorry we we missed that image, but uh, it, uh, it, it, well, there's so much we miss every week when we do yeah, this. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that. Uh, we, we, we do not cower in fear that we do come you know, to you in a mountain uh, of joy and of your grace and of your goodness and that uh, uh, a people who once had every reason for fear now have every reason for joy and for mm-hmm. peace. And uh, 
uh, to gain from your righteousness. So we thank you for the good gifts we have in you. May those be greater realities to us in this day, to the difficulties of the day, the challenges of the circumstances, and the crazy time we live in. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who has gone before us and shown us the way of obedience and the one who is working in us to perfect obedience in us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.